2 Corinthians chapter number 3. We're going to go down to verse number 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. Today, we're on an assignment. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. When you get this, say amen. amen. All right, let's read together. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, not as Moses was put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remained the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even until this day, when Moses read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is their spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Now that is our teaching that we are doing as a series on the ministry of the Holy Spirit we will continue the ministry of the Holy Spirit today. We're going to go to our next volume, which is volume number three. And now we want to give you our subject for today as we go to it in Genesis chapter three. Genesis chapter three, we're going to read verse nine through verse number 15. Genesis three fifteen will be our subject today. Who we'll take our subject from. Genesis chapter number three, the first book in your Bible. Chapter 3, God made a promise, and we want to deal with that. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 9 through verse 15 is what we want to read. When you get there, say amen. amen. All right, now, Adam and Eve have already eaten of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and now the Lord is getting ready to deal with them. And so in verse 9, the Bible says, The Lord God called to the Adam and said to him, where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou should not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gave it to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because thou hast done this. Who did that? The serpent. Because thou hast done that. Thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shall thy go, dust shall thy eat all the days thy life. And here's the promise, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So we're going to pray. Father, we thank you now for giving us your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who will give us clarity and understanding in your word. Thank you for your wisdom, your knowledge, and your understanding. We bless you, Father. We praise you. We appreciate you. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, your love. Thank you for giving us divine grace, divine protection, 
and thank you, Lord, for your divine provisions. In the blessed name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray, and all the church says, Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Now, our intentions, our intentions now, is to connect information. Like I said, this is the uh, third volume that we're doing. Each volume has six takes. So really, this is really part 13, if you were just writing them down in, in your notes. So, because we did six in part one, volume one, six in volume two, and this is part one in volume three, which is tape number 13. Amen? So, what we want to do today is connect information. In this teach, in this ministry, we connect information. So, what we want to do is teach you. When we said the ministry of the Holy Spirit, uh, we just got through talking about, uh, in volume one, we talked about the Lord is that spirit. That's part one and two. Then we talked about, Lord, take away my veil. See, in the veil, we know they got the veil because of the old covenant. If I teach you the veil, if I teach you the law, it blinds you. You cannot see Christ. Okay? Now, then we talked about uh, the last teaching that volume one was when the veil is taken away. Then we went into volume two. We, then we moved to the word seeing. Seeing the end of that which is abolished part one and two. Then we showed you Christ is the end of that which is about us. And then we showed you the last thing in volume two, Christ is the end of the world. And I know that might be a little uh, blunt for some of you, but when the Bible talks about the word world, it's the age, dispensation, it's the time. See, so the law was for time. But when Christ came, he took away the law. So let's look at that, Romans 10 and 4. So you have to understand, now we are in a dispensation called grace. That's why you need to sit on a ministry that teaches you the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ is the gospel of grace. It is synonymous. You know, if you know English terms, that mean the same thing. Christ is the end of the law, see? Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes it. So when Christ came, he put an end to the law. How did he do that? Because we gave you the definition of what it means to put an end to. So we talked about the word abolish, and we gave you words that abolish mean. Abolish mean, number one, to make void, see? Abolish means to put an end to. See, it's the same thing. So when Christ came, he put an end to the law. He made void the law, see? He destroyed and fulfilled the law, see? He completed the law. He finished the law. He done away with it. See, he accomplished it, all right? So when we saw, showed you a verse in uh, Luke chapter number 24, verse 44. Let's show you that verse, Luke chapter 24 and verse 44. So we, Luke 24, 44, I like that verse because he gave you everything that he fulfilled. So if you are not teaching the new covenant, which we teach the new covenant here, which is called the gospel of Christ. The new covenant is spirit. The old covenant is natural. All right, now, he said to them, Luke 24, 44, these are the words which I spake to you, Jesus speaking to his disciples after he rose from the dead. While I was yet with you, he says, that all things, how many things? All, all things must be fulfilled, that that word fulfilled is. So when something has been fulfilled, Jesus came and put an end to it, right? right? So he fulfilled it. He finished it. See? 
So now, he's going to tell you what he fulfilled, which were written, in number one, in the law of Moses. He told you what he fulfilled. He fulfilled all of that in the prophets. He fulfilled all of that, that in the Psalms concerning me. So everything that Jesus had, they, God gave us in the prophets, in the Psalms, see, that's what he did. So he, here it is, uh, and in the prophets, in the psalm concerning me. And the next verse says, Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the scriptures. So they could not understand until they believed that the Lord had fulfilled the, the, psalm, the law, uh, the psalms, and the prophets. So Christ came and fulfilled that. That's why we have a new covenant, the New Testament, Okay. Now, the new covenant, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're going to show you in verse 6. So that's why I love, I love teaching on the screen here. We have a big screen here that we use, and we love doing that because it shows you what God had done. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6 told you what the new covenant was. It's spirit. Told you what the old covenant was. It says, who also made us able ministers, Paul is talking. Paul is the apostle in the new covenant. Who also made us to the Gentiles, that is. Who also made us able ministers of the new covenant, or new testament, the word testament and covenant is the same thing, not of the letter. See, the word letter means law. Not of the letter, not of the law, but of the spirit. So we know that the new covenant is called spirit. But then he's going to tell you that new covenant is called grace. It's spirit. For the letter killeth, the old testament, the law. If I minister to you the law, then I'm giving you death. I can't give you spirit because the law does not have the spirit. Okay? But then it said, the spirit giveth life. So my job is to minister you the new covenant. What the spirit giveth life, or when I teach you the gospel of Christ, the gospel of grace, this is how you get God's life. Okay? That's why all you need to do in this service is to believe the word. So we're going to show you that in Ephesians chapter 1. In verse 13, I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures now. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 told us something. Told us how we are saved and how we got the spirit today. So you can't go to churches where they tell you you got to do this and do this to get the Holy Ghost. That's law. That is the denomination they call it. But the Bible told us here, in whom also you trusted. Told you what you had to do. Number one, trusted. In whom you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth. Now, the word of truth is the gospel of Christ. This is your gospel. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. See, that's the word of truth. See, what makes it truth? What makes it truth? Uh, let me give you my subject once again. I gave it to you in Genesis 3.15. My subject is the Lord crushed the serpent's head. The Lord Jesus. We're going to put the word Jesus. The Lord Jesus. Say that with me. The Lord Jesus. Crush the serpent head. Now that's what he told us in Genesis 3.15 that he prophesied, the father said that was going to happen. When you say prophecy is what God going to do. He says he's going to crush the serpent head. Now, let's finish that one verse there. He says, in whom also you trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed, so he told you what you had to do, after you believe, you will seal with the Holy Spirit of promise. So God gave you the Holy Spirit. Sealed means he sealed. The Holy Ghost comes, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Ghost comes inside of you and seals 
just like you put something in a glass and put a top. He seals your soul. That means nothing else can get your soul. Okay? That's how you mean what you mean when you say you're saved. Okay? Now, Genesis 3.15 told us what the promise was. So the reason I'm going back here, then I'm going to show you from here, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. After this. See, I will put enmity. Now, this is what this was your promise. God said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. I will put enmity between thy seed and her seed, which I'm going to teach on that, not today. It shall bruise thy head. Now, what it is there is Christ. Christ shall bruise thy head because Christ is the seed of the woman. Ain't that right? Christ shall bruise thy head, and then it says, and thou, talking to the devil, shall bruise his heel. All right? So he's talking to the devil. He said, now Christ, when he comes, he's going to bruise your head. So I'm using the word bruise, mean also crush. So that's what I'm using, the word crush. The Lord Jesus crushed, E-D, crushed past him, the serpent's head. Now, I'm saying this because in churches, people are still teaching you the Lord is coming. My point is, if you are believing the Lord is coming, you don't believe the Lord is in you, number one. Because if he's in you, he can't be coming. Number two, if the Lord is coming, the devil has not been crushed. So I'm going to show you in the word of God that because the Bible says, when I get to this in 2 Thessalonians, I'm going to show it to you, that one of the things that's going to happen that he told you, that when the Lord returned, which he already has, Satan will be in the temple of Jerusalem. And he will be in the temple after he has changed or took away all ways of worship. But when the Lord comes, he's going to destroy him with the brightness of his coming. So if the Lord has not come, and churches are teaching this, every week you hear people say, when the Lord comes. So if you don't believe he's come, you don't believe the enemy, the devil has been crushed, he had been crushed. So you are saying you don't believe the word. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse 19 and 20. Watch what the apostle Paul told us. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among us, among you by us, even by me, and Silvanus, and Timotheus, Timothy, we all preach to you Christ, was not yea and nay, but in him was yes, and in him was amen. Then he's going to say something. He said, now all the promises of God, or all that God promised us, is yes. Everything God promised us, he has fulfilled. All the promises of God in Christ is yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God by us. So when you say that God, Christ hasn't come, you got to understand Genesis 3.15, he promised that he will bruise the serpent's head. So what you're saying is, he has not done this. Now, he did not do it when he died on the cross and rose from the dead, I'm going to show you, oh yeah, at that time, there was a work done against the enemy. But then we're going to show you, even after the Lord did that to the enemy, 
He had not finalized him, totally put him in the lake of fire. That's where he is now. And so I want to be, I want to show you that. That does not mean that they are not evil spirits. But the devil himself has been defeated at the cross and annihilated, crushed when the Lord returned. And I say, E.D., he returned. So if you're waiting on this to happen, then you don't think that Satan has been crushed. So that's what I want to deal with today. I gave you the other things uh, where God had abolished. I gave you five things, but we didn't get to that last one. So that's why I'm going to do this teaching on just this. I showed you the word saved, and I showed you the word abolished. I said, we were, when you're saved, you're delivered from. The word saved means delivered from. God delivered you from five things. He saved you from the law. You were never on the law, but he saved you from it. Next, he saved you from sin. So people still think that sin is alive and well. Well, you must not read the word because the Bible said, well, sin abounded, past tense. That was Romans 5.20. Where sin abounded, past tense. Grace did much more abound. Maybe you don't know what it means by abounded. See, people do not understand what the cross did. What Jesus did on the cross, see, he already, that's why you have a Roman chapter 5 and a chapter 6 and a chapter 7 and a chapter 8. Those chapters show you all the things I'm telling you right now, that the law was already fulfilled by Christ. Sin was also finished at the cross. And then death was finished. There's no more death for the believer. You may say, well, Pastor, we just had a funeral here. Oh, yeah, that's the physical man. That's Adam. But the soul is in Christ. And when the soul is in Christ, the soul will never see death. That's why you got to be saved. That's why we keep saying, make sure you have the spirit. If you don't have the spirit, you're not, not in Christ. But if you're in Christ, then Christ has already defeated the law. Fulfilled, when I say fulfilled. Sin, death, watch this, hell. That means when you die, you would not be put in a box and be put in the ground. Your flesh will, but not your soul. God would not allow that, so he put in the Bible in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 to be absent from the body. He also be present with the Lord. So there's no way you, your soul would ever see these things. I said that was death. Leave that up there one moment. One of them was death. And then the other, the last one, was a grave, death, the grave, which is hell. Hell's a grave. If you look up the word hell, the grave is the same word. It's under the word Hades and Sheol in the, in the Hebrew. And those words mean hell. So when you put a person in a grave, the flesh goes back to the grave, the dust. See? And then the last that God said was defeated. Now he says, I'm going to show you the Bible said the last enemy. We're going to go over that. But the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. That's told us that in Timothy, didn't it? He said the last enemy that shall be defeated is death. Now, if the last enemy was defeated as death, then you have to know that Satan had 
to be defeated because he's the one who has the power of death. See, all you got to do is figure it out. You you got to figure this thing out. This is my 40th year of ministry. And so I'm here to help you if you haven't done that. All right. So in 2 Timothy 1 and 10, let's do that. 2 Timothy 1 and 10. We're going to get there. We got a lot of word to show you. So we're going to dedicate this, this, these six tapes just on Genesis 3.15. Hope you enjoy yourself. If you have to burp, just get up and uh, sit back down. Because that's going to be just, it's going to be that good. All right, I tell you what, verse 2 Timothy. Okay, 1.10. Watch what he says now. But it's now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath done what? He, what did he abolish? He abolished death. So when I go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I'm going to show you that, the, that 1 Corinthians 15 says the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Now, one of you already can ease over there in 1 Corinthians 15. I told you what it was. He said, but now here, Timothy is going to say, but it's now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has, past tense, abolished death, already defeated it and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That's why this is what you get, the word of life, the word of truth, I'm sorry, the word of truth. All right, now let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I know some believer got that by now. The last enemy that shall be defeated. Just plainly tell you, there it is, verse 26. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26, is everybody there yet? It's on the screen, so you can mark your Bible. I'm telling you what it is, so you need to mark it so you can find it the next time. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26. Now, he's given us this because he's given us the order. Back, back to verse number uh, 20. In 1 Corinthians 15, 20, gave you the order of resurrection. Order. But now is Christ risen from the dead. Already risen from the dead. And has become the first fruits, first fruits of them that slept. Or he's the first of the harvest. The harvest started at that time. Now write another verse down, Matthew 13, 38, because the word harvest means the end of the world. So you have to know what every word means. For since by man came death, verse 21, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. See, by Adam came death, by Christ came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. So when did God make you alive? He made you alive when he put you in Christ. Not when he water baptized you. See, that's another lie. We're going to show you all these are lies. Deception. But every man in his own order. So there's an order of resurrection. Even from the days of Noah, and when the people were doing the days of Noah before the flood, they were raised from the dead when Jesus was raised from the dead. We gave you that already in Matthew chapter number 27 and verse 51. And 50, you, can, you can put that down, start verse 50, we'll get that later. But every man in his own order. Now when Christ, when Christ was raised from the dead, you were raised from the dead. See, I have to know when you was raised from the dead. See, you were raised from the dead when Christ was raised from the dead. 
That's what, that's what your Bible, I, I said that to you last week. You are risen with Christ. I don't know why you just look at me like, you need to write that down. Either you were risen with Christ or you was not. <laughs> the Bible, I'm telling you what the Bible said. The Bible said you were risen with Christ. Now, if you were risen with Christ, then you was risen 2,000 years ago. See, I'm not preaching to you what God going to do. I'm preaching to you what God did. All right, now, now watch what it says. Every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits. And then it says, afterward they that are Christ's, who belong to Christ, at his coming. See why I got to put that coming down there? Because there were people raised from the dead when Christ came. Now, there were people raised from the dead when Jesus was, was crucified after his resurrection. There were some people raised from the dead when Christ was raised. And there are some people who were raised from the dead when the Lord returned. You did see it is coming. Now, you just saw that, right? right? Back that verse up. Here we go. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. So I showed you three different places. How many remember them so far? I showed you three resurrections. Let's go show you the first one. Let's go back and show you the first one. Remember, we had verse 23. If you keep a note. So you need to write that down. All right. Now, I showed you Matthew 27, 50. Watch this. But Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And the next verse says, And he behold, the veil of the temple was written in twain from the top to the bottom. The earth did quake and the rocks rent. Watch the next thing happen. And the graves were open. Physical, literary graves were open. And many bodies of the saints, which was Old Testament believers, which slept, they were dead, arose. But he didn't stop there because he wanted to convince you. And they came out of the graves after his resurrection. And they went into the holy city, which was Jerusalem. And they appealed to many. That's what happened when Christ died on the cross. Now those people, we know the apostle Peter told us who they were. It said they who were before the flood. Right? right? So if you, if you, you, can, I can, you can tell me, I'll tell them what it is, but I'm not going to be able to go there. You can read that for yourself. They were before the flood. But let's go back and look at, they were before the flood, then we're going to show you that you were risen with Christ. Go to, go to Ephesians 2.1. So here's another. Well, here's Colossians 3.1. If you be risen with Christ. So the Bible has told you that there were people raised from the dead with Christ. Now, if there's people raised from the dead with Christ, then there were people raised from the dead when he came back. Uh, I can't write it down. I can't write it down for you. If you write it down, let me tell you again, there were people raised from the dead when Jesus died on the cross. They were the people all the way back to, I need somebody to find me that uh, Peter, where he told you they were the people before the flood. That's the first people. Then you got all the people who were dead all the way up to, from, from the flood all the way up to Christ, when they died. Then you had the people who were us, who weren't even here, was risen with Christ. 
then the people of the church of God, they were risen from the dead in Revelation chapter 7 when Christ returned. Matthew what? What was that? Yeah, no, I want the one in Peter. See, Peter told you that about the resurrection and the Lord coming. I'll give it to you since you can't find it. Second Peter 3.10. I, I thought, I, but I, I don't like to find everything for you because you'll never get in the Bible yourself. You just look at me like. <laughs> All right, here we go. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Isn't that what we talk about in Thessalonians? The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. I said, didn't you hear that somewhere? Yeah. Jesus told you about the thief in the night, right? Matthew 24. He says, the thief in the night. And the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works thereof shall be burned up. That's when the Lord returns. Seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? He's talking to, the, to those people. So you know this is going to happen, so why don't you be living right when he comes? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire. Now, the first thing people do when they make a movie on Christian television, they try to show the heaven up there, air on fire. He's not talking about that. He's talking about Jerusalem, the temple. Somebody find me a verse. When, when Daniel prayed, he always faced towards Jerusalem, and the Bible would tell you he would always face towards heaven. See, the Old Testament heaven was the tabernacle of what Israel worshiped in Jerusalem. So that's why that was types and shadow of God's kingdom on earth. So when God put Adam in the garden, he put him in Jerusalem, in the temple. That was where Adam was, the garden of God. When you study the Bible, it'll tell you it was the garden of God. So it never changed. That's why when Adam lost his kingdom, guess who was still there? If you know anything, who deceived him? If you know that, you know who was left. Let me move on. Now let's move on. See, if I go on the other side, all our kids on the other side, if I go over there and ask them, they know that stuff. Okay, just hold on to that. Here we go. Looking to and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire. So what was really on fire? Right, you, you can't burn up the clouds. Listen, listen, come on. Don't let nobody see you. Nobody's going to burn up the clouds. So you're not talking about up there. Heaven was Jerusalem and the temple. Hello. Now, can I teach this? Do I have a, I have to have faith. I have to have people believe in stuff when I'm going to preach it. If not, I'm at the wrong church. I don't want the Lord to take me nowhere else. I got to teach what people believing and receiving and understanding. I got that, Pastor. If not, you'll kill me. I'm serious. 
If I try to minister things at this church and this church ain't ready for it, it kills me. It drains me. So either you're going to receive it, I got to go to something else because I got a lot of messages. Are we going to receive it? All right. All right. Get the Lord a big hand. Get the Lord a big hand. All right. All right. All right. Now, okay, Hebrews 6, I'm giving you Daniel when Daniel prayed. Watch this. Now, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into the house. He went into his house. And in his windows being opened in his chamber. Now, you need democracy in your Bible because you know I'm going to ask you again. And as your pastor, when you don't know something, it, it bothers my spirit because I don't, I'm like Paul. I don't want you to be ignorant. I, I don't, I, it's not going to happen in this church. You're not going to be ignorant up in this church. Amen. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, that's why they're going to put him now in the dungeon. That's what they've given me to do with the lounge. He went to his house and his window being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem. Let me, ask, let me say it again. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his window being opened, his chamber was towards what? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Now in that same chapter, you can find that he said he looked towards heaven. He prayed towards heaven. You may not be able to find it. She found that in the back for you for this time. He kneeled down upon his knees three times a day. Keep going. And he prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. You're back to 10 again. You need to give me verse. And he prayed and he gave thanks to his God as he did aforetime. These, then these means assembled. He found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Remember, he was praying towards Jerusalem. I want the verse that says he was praying towards heaven. It's in that same chapter. See, that part tell you praying towards Jerusalem. But he was praying towards heaven. See, I got a mark in my Bible, but I'm not going to find it for you. Let's move on. Let's go back, get back to where we're supposed to be on. I just thought I could give you that. Don't worry, you get it later. How many know what I asked you to study from last week to this week? Did I ask this class to do that? Abba. <laughs> I know, Abba. <laughs> hey, I'm waiting. Now, where was I at? I was at 1 Corinthians 15. Tw- no, I, I'm talking about what I just left. Okay. Every man in his own order, Christ the first fruit after they that are Christ at his coming. I said, did you see there's a coming of Christ? Maybe I get my stool to do Bible class and sit down here maybe. I'm way up there in the air. Let me. All right, now let's go to the next verse, verse 24. Then cometh the end. So when Christ comes, they're going to be the end. But what is it going to be the end of? End of the old world. See, so you need to write that down. Then don't just sit and look at me because I'm actually again. You know me. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God. Even the Father, when he have put down all rule and all authority and power. Watch where I'm going. For he must reign till he has put all enemies on his feet. And this is what I said to you in 2 Timothy 1.10. I said the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. How many remember I said that? Yeah. Now how many I showed you the verse where death had been destroyed? 
Go back to second. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is what? Death. It's death. Now go back to second Timothy 1 and 10. Let's see, did it happen? And second Timothy 1 and 10 told you that he had already abolished death. So Paul told you the last enemy was in Corinth. The last enemy shall be destroyed to death. But he goes four more years to Timothy. Then he told you it happened. But now, but it's now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has passed tense. So what was the last enemy that shall be destroyed? Here he said death has been abolished. So Christ has come, he has brought life and immortality light through the gospel. So Paul had to put everything in the book because he saw the end from the beginning. He had the vision. Although it had not happened in his time, he knew it happened. Now let's go show you that in Hebrew chapter 2 and let's start verse 5. Now, if you want to show me that verse you just pulled the screen back, it's okay. It says, back up to verse 6. In verse 6, that same, that same chapter. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 is what you show in verse 8, if you'll show verse 6. Show us what Christ has done. Here we go. When we were yet without strength in due time, watch what Christ did. See, Christ has not died for you today. He's not going to die today. Christ already died. He's not going to come and die no more. That's why he put on flesh so he can come and die, right? But while he was here, see, his death, death, and resurrection is what you got to believe to be saved. So when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly, and that was us. The word ungodly means without God. You do know un is without, right? Uncola, you know what that means. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preventure for a good man some would ever even dare to die. But watch what verse 8 says. But God commended his love. See, this is God's love on the cross. When he died, he died for all men. He didn't just die for the Jews. He died for all men. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. This was 2,000 years ago. This was before the cross. Christ died for us. So that's why you have to love him because he died for you. You didn't even know it. That's why it takes faith to believe it. He already died for you. That's what you got to believe in his death, death, and resurrection. All right, now, let's go also with that, with that same thing. We're going to go to Hebrew 2.5, but let's do one more to go with that because I want to thoroughly convince the people that Christ died for all. 2 Corinthians 5 Let's go, to, let's go start verse number 13. See, Christ died for all men on the cross. He didn't just die for some. He died for all men. From the people all the way back to the days of Noah. I know some of y'all are going to have that when I get asked for it next time, right, in, in Peter, right? Right. For, for whether we be beside ourselves, it is, for, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. But in verse number 14, for the love of Christ constrains us, constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, one man, Christ, say Christ, Christ. died for all men. Died for all men. 
Now, if one died for all, then God looked at all men as then all men were dead. See, God, see, when you believe in Christ's death, death, and resurrection, when you believe in his death, then God see you have already died. When you believe in his burial, he see you already been buried. When, he, when you believe in his resurrection, he see you already been raised from the dead. His death is your death. His burial is your burial. His resurrection is your resurrection. Get the Lord another big hand clap. You get out of it. And then, it, and then in verse 5, 2 Corinthians 5, 15, and that he died for all. How many he died for? All. all men. See, that way nobody else can think that God didn't die for them. When he sent his son here to die, he died for all men. Here's the key. He died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So Christ died and buried and raised again for all men. That's why we ought to live for him. Amen. Get the Lord on a big hand clap. There you go. That's why you ought to live for him because he died for us. Now let's go back to where we were in scripture. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now we already did those, we already did that, but we was at 1 Corinthians 15. Did we finish that verse 24? We showed you in verse 26. So let's go now to Hebrew 2 is what you're supposed to wrote down. And verse 5. Here we go. For unto the angels, now watch what this is going to say. Unto the angels has he not, somebody said not. not. We are in now, we are now in the dispensation of grace. Do anybody know what that means? Let's go back to Romans 6, 14 again. Now remember, Paul put things in the Bible because he was not going to be here. So the Holy Ghost had to finish the Bible because Paul was going to be taken out with the church of God. Paul was a Jew. So here we see in, what verse I you for? Romans 6.14. Okay, I'm just waiting on this. Romans 6.14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Why? You are not under the law, but you are under what? Now, Paul put that in there that you're under grace. Remember, the gospel, you know nothing about this. But the Bible is already putting, so today you're able to realize that grace has come now. Now, I've been ministering 40 years. I don't remember people preaching grace probably less than 20 years. Less than 20 years. That's why not a, minute, a lot of people know about it. Because most people are still preaching law or religion. Tradition of men. They're not preaching grace. Grace is the gospel of Christ. Grace is what God gave us before the foundation of the world. All right, now let's, let's continue to, to go on here. For unto the angels, watch what he says. For unto the angels he has not put in subjection, watch what he's going to tell you, the world to come. Now, if you was in the days of the Apostle Paul, I stands on this side, and I say on this side is the Old Testament. Over here they have the law. On this side of the cross, this is the altar, the cross. Over here they have grace. Now you got to pay attention now because it'll work me if you don't get it. Okay, just say this is Miss Noah. Good morning, Miss Noah. What side of the cross Miss Noah on? If Miss Noah was before the flood, wasn't she? Yes. Now that's not hard. 
I can go on the other side and ask them, oh, they know, yeah, that's Noah, they're before, before the flood. Yeah, it's not her. If she's before the flood, and then me and Miss Noah, we're going to come over here after the flood. Where are we at? We're in grace now. Good. You showed them, didn't you? All right. Can't you see after the flood we'd be grace? All right. Now. Where would the devil? Just going to see, do you get that? Where's the devil now? Miss, Miss Noah? Adam probably told you all, us, about what happened in the garden. Right? But when we go on the other side, he's not going with us. You still didn't get it. If he went, who knows what, how he got there? He was left in the garden when Adam got put out. So you don't have nothing else about the devil until you see Cain. Cain was a child of the devil. We're going to get to that. But now God is going to have them take man, Noah and his wife and his three sons, their wife, they're going to take them, and the ark is going to come down on the mountain. They're going to get off. They're going to come down into what we call grace. They were saved by, by grace. Okay? Now, why? Because they were with a man who had found grace. Noah had found grace. Right. Okay. Now, since we got that out the way, we know over here you're you in the old world. Let me, let me use that term. If you already over here before the flood, you are in the old world. I'm just trying to see. That's your side. Let me ask the people over here. Once we come over here, after the flood is over, we're in a new world. All those folks we saw in the old world who didn't get in the ark, they're not over here with us. All right? But over here in the old world, you had Noah and all these people who criticized Noah. Why are you building that ark? Why you? They didn't want to get in that ark. Only Noah, his wife, three sons, three daughters, they got in that ark. And they went over. All these people over here is gone. Once again, let me say it again. All these folks over here that didn't want God is gone. How would they destroy it? It's not hard. I just told you the answer before that. They destroyed in the flood, right? All right. So the flood killed them all. Only the people who got in the ark survived. And they came back down. Now this same thing happened when Christ came at the end of the world. But when Christ came, he came to end the old world. All right. So now we're going to go and show you that Hebrew chapter Let's go back and show that verse again. Hebrew 2, 5. But I want to read that out of the good news. Hebrew 2, 5. See, I'm a, I'm a, I got some other things, teaching coming up, so I'm trying to get you ready for that. For unto the angel, he's going to tell you Hebrew 2, 5 out of the good news. God has not placed the angels as rulers over the new world to come.
over here in the old world, Satan was called the God of this world. So you need, let me, let me give you that first so you're going to align it, so you can keep notes, okay? Now, let's go to, let's show you that several places. How many of you know what that verse I just said? He's the God of this world. Okay. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 4, 4. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. So, you want to underline the word this world. Because I'm getting ready to show you, on this side was this world. But it was the old world. On this side, where you at now, you are the grace. So this is the new world. All things, therefore, if any man be in Christ, you could not be in Christ over there. So therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are what? They all pass away because over here, all things have become everything new over here. All right? But if our gospel be his on the screen, Paul said, but if our gospel be his, is here for them that are lost. In whom the God of this I, I, I want you to get it. The God of this See, this side over here ought to have it because you the old world over here. But he was called the God of this. Somebody said this world. Right. He was, he was not over the world to come. He's only, over, he's only over this world, this age. See, he's not over the world to come over here in grace. He's not over here where you at. So Hebrew 2.5 again. Now we're reading this out of the, the good news or the NLT. I think you're on the good news. God has not placed the angels over here. He used angels to rule. When Mary was born, I mean, pregnant with Jesus, when angels, Elizabeth, angels. All through the old covenant, when he did something, he used angels. When he was going to destroy people, he used angels. They were over that world, and Satan was a god of that world. So God had not placed, over, placed angels as ruler over the new the new world to come, that's us. The world of which we speak. Next verse. We're going to go all the way down to verse 9. Instead, as it is said somewhere in the scripture, what, what are human beings, O oh God, that you should think of them, mere human beings that you should care for them? You made them a little lower than angels. But then you're crowned, he's talking about Christ, really. Talking about Jesus. Because he was crowned with glory and honor. And then you made them rulers, talking about Christ. Over all things. So he does, over here, the angels were rulers over all things. Over here, the church. Christ and his church is ruler. Over all things. Over here, I could have, should have got a clap, because you're the one ruler over all things. 
made them rule over all things. It says that God made them rule over all things. This clearly includes everything. We do not, however, see human beings ruling over all things, but now, now, but we see Jesus, who's made a little lower than the angels, so, so that through God's grace, he should die for every man. I said, told you again, he died for all men. So we see him now crowned with glory and honor because of the death he suffered. So he died for all men. All right. So God now don't use angel over everything. He used Christ in the church over all things. Okay. So you don't have to put him on your feet. You don't have to go through that. Okay. Okay, I, I'm not, that's not where I am right now. Let's go to 2 uh, uh, Thessalonians 2. 2 Thessalonians 2. We're going to look there at verse 1 through 8. Now, I want to do that one out of the NLT. I think I did it last time. I want to stay consistent. Let's do the NLT on that one. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Okay, you can follow me alone in the King James, or you can look at the screen. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to clarify some things. And how we, how we, Paul is making sure he tells them, this is not talking about Crump down there, 2,000 years from now, I'm talking about now. How we, Paul is in the we. How we will be gathered together to meet him. How we going to do it. Don't be easily shaken along by those, those people of Paul day. Who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them. I'm talking about the people of his day. I'm talking about over here before Jesus came back. He over here. Don't believe these folks. I'm talking about Jesus came back a second time. He hasn't. Don't believe them, even if they claim to have a spiritual vision or revelation or a letter supposedly from us. Because only Paul knew what was going on over here. Don't be fooled by what they say. For that day will not come until there be a great rebellion against God and the man of sin or the man of lawlessness is revealed. The devil will be revealed. We don't know who he is yet, Paul says. The one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself. And he will defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. Well, what was their object of worship? The baptism pool? Foot washing? Circumcision? The laver? All that stuff they had in the temple, all Israel had in the temple because Israel was still worshiping the temple. So this God, this man of sin, is going to take Jerusalem capital and he's going to sit here and he's going to become God. He's going to get rid of all this stuff here. How many know what Old Testament book told you that and showed it to you? Right, the book of Daniel. See, if you read the Old Testament, that's why I taught you the Bible of the Sabbath. Nebuchadnezzar 
Belshazzar took all the stuff out of the temple and used it for his own. And when he did, the Lord wrote on the wall, Meany, Meany, Tika, Euphrosa. You were tried in the banner and said, well, that's when the Lord came. See, if you know the old, you'll be able to know what I'm talking about. That's why I always keep saying, listen, listen, listen. He would exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He would even sit in the temple of God. In the, that's Jerusalem now, the temple of God, claiming that he himself is God. He said, don't you remember? I told you about this when I was with you. This is what Paul telling the church at Thessalonica. He said, I told you about this when I was with you. You know what is holding him back? For he can be revealed only when his time comes. That means when the Lord comes. For this lawless or this lawlessness is already at work secretly. And it will remain secret until the one who's holding his back step out of the way. When the Lord step out of the way, let him do his thing. Because at that time, the Lord is coming. That's what he wrote. That's what the Lord told us in Matthew 24. Then the man of sin will be revealed. You'll see who he is. Now, you got to understand something. This man is a real man. And he's a king. At that time, he was the king of Rome. Now, whether he was the next one after Caesar or whatever, but Rome was in power when Jesus was crucified. So that's why I said Rome. Let's keep going. The, the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will slay him, crush him. How are you going to do it? With the breath, with his mouth, with his breath. He's going to show him with the brightness of his coming. So when the Lord comes, he's going to be so bright like the sun. That's, see, Paul knows this because it happened to Paul. Paul says he was brighter than the new day sun. So when he came, Satan the devil was in the temple playing like he's God. <coughs> and he's a man called the man of sin. How many follow me so far? All right, some of y'all won't raise your hand if I don't throw dollars. If I throw dollars out there, you won't even raise your hand up. They'll fall right below your shoulder. Somebody say amen. All right, now we're going to take this, what we got for you, and we're going to walk you through this thing. Now, let's go to Matthew 25, 40 and 41. Matthew 25, 40 and 41. From here, we're going to go to Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 through 9. I'm giving you the end because I want you to see it all. So when you still believe in the Lord is coming, guess what? You don't believe he came. See, God is not giving you faith for prophecy. He gives you faith so you can believe what has been done. So you can't believe God did this if you don't have faith. 
That's why 90% of the church, church folk are still talking about the Lord is coming. My point is, if he's coming, then you don't believe he came. Because my Bible told me what Christ has to be in you. See, Peter wrote about Israel and everything God had for them was reserved in heaven. And they could not get it until the Lord returned. So you tell me that God did not give them their inheritance? Well, they dead now and gone. They got to be still sleeping in their grave. The devil is a lie. But the Lord did come. And he did everything he told them he was going to do. Don't you understand the gospel of St. Matthew, Jesus Christ was a prophet? He was not a high priest until after he rose from the dead. But when he came to Israel, he came to Israel as a prophet, and he came to them fulfilling prophecies and told them all that was going to happen and what all he said was going to happen. And in every jot and every tittle of God's law was fulfilled. All the prophets was fulfilled. All the psalms were fulfilled. He did it all. So he's not, he's not trying to get nothing done. See, the Bible is not what God going to do. So when somebody tell you the Lord is coming, that's prophecy. So you have to understand, I'm showing you already that he already did this. All right, let, let's go to work. And the king shall answer and say to them, Verily, verily, I say to you, inasmuch as you have done it to the least of these my brothers, you have done it to me. Now he's, he's making a statement. Now watch what he's going to say to them. Then shall he say to them on his left hand. See, when you go back, uh, let me back back to verse 31. I think that's where that starts. Uh, what did I say? Matthew. I said Matthew chapter number what? Go back to 31. We're going to read verse 31 through 34 first, and then we're going to go back to verse 41. Now, watch what it says. In Matthew chapter what? 25, 25 verse 31. 31. I'm saying it because I want, when I set my tape, I know I said this. Okay. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory. So he's telling them when he comes. And when he comes, he's going to have all the holy angels with him. Then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. He's going to come sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations. And he's going to separate them from one another as a shepherd divided his sheep from the goats. He shall set the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. And you already know what sheep and goat mean, right? Goat mean the believer, the sheep mean the believer, and the goat mean the knucklehead. The one that beat his head against every time God tell him something. I don't know that. I can't see that. Goat, sit down. That's a goat. A goat always buck against everything God going to do. Then shall the king said to them on the right hand, his sheep, come you blessed. Now remember, that's not you. This is the children of Israel. Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. See, Christ is the kingdom to you. When you receive Christ, that's your inheritance. 
Christ is the kingdom. You in Christ and Christ in you. Then shall he say to them on the left hand, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, you curse into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, I'm going to get ready to show you. I don't want that verse. I want to go back to verse 41. I'm going to get ready to show you that's where the devil is today in the lake of fire. And you do not want to go to that place. This is not a game. You're not invited. You have no invitation. Only God gave you invitation to come to him and come to where he is. Come spend eternity with the Lord. Come unto me, all you that labor the heavy laden, I give you rest. He, nobody gave you an invitation. Don't go to hell with the devil. Let him go to, I wish he could, he can't do it now, but I wish he could have went to hell by himself. But we know all the false prophets are there. All the, all the people that didn't want God. And they'll be there for eternity. All right, go to verse 41 is what I'm waiting for. Same chapter. Then shall they say to them on the right hand, on the left hand, depart from me, you curse, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. All right, that's good. That's all I'm done. Now I want to I want to go back and pick it up now in Revelation 12, 7 through 9. After this, we go to Revelation 19:11. And we're going to read the rest of that chapter. Revelation 12, 7 through 9. See, when you got the word, you know what the word said. That's what you live by. You don't go by what religion says, tradition says, man said. What did the word say? There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels. Now, people think Michael is Christ. That's not Christ. Michael and his angel fought against the dragon. That's one of the names of the devil. It's called the dragon. Michael and his angel fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought against his angels. Remember when Christ came, he came back with all his angels. He prevailed not, showing you that the devil prevailed not, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. Now, heaven is not up there where the galaxies, stars, and the moon is. The heaven is the spiritual realm. It is the unseen and the invisible. And Christ is the kingdom of the spiritual realm or the spiritual world. That means that the Lord could be here right now. Matter of fact, he is. But you can't see him because he's in the unseen realm. This place is charged with God's holy angels. How do I know that? They have to be because they got to watch me and you. As a matter of fact, there are more angels than people. There are more angels than people. See, there are, there are people who dead gone and gone to hell. Their angels still here. That's why I got, got I got their potion. All them folks didn't want no, didn't want God. That's okay. Go on, die, and go to hell. I got your angel. I got more than one watch over me. Sometimes I have to be, oh, excuse me, excuse me. I bump you, I'm sorry. They're all around. The Bible said they're encamping around about them that fear the Lord. Every day you land in your bed, sleep at night, you ain't by yourself. 
You worried about I just, listen, I went to bed the other night, my, my wife woke up and said, who, when, why'd you leave the garage door up? I said, I did what? Because I brought the garage handle in my pocket and I sit there, I must have touched it. She said, you left the garage door I said, the Lord, high and mighty. <laughs> but guess what? Nothing and nobody came by my bed at night. Nobody could come in. You can't, you can't do that. You got too much. See, y'all just think this is a game. This is not a game. Angels definitely watches over me every day of the week. Every believer, every believer. The Bible told you that angels always watches over the believer. You are God's children. Do you understand that? I say you are God's children. Now let me tell you something. Tell me this. How many, how many see people who are royalty? Now when I say royalty, we go right across to Canada and Britain and all these people, but you're never going to see them by themselves. When they go to school, when those kids go to school in the morning, I'm going to use President Obama, who just was president. When these kids go to school in the morning time, there are people assigned to be right there. All day long. They can't go nowhere without that, without that man. Why? He's just like a physical angel. You got spiritual angel that spiritual way. You can't go nowhere. They're always there. But what you got to understand something is learn to appreciate this in every day of your life. Begin to tell the Lord thank you because of what the Lord has past tense done in your life. Let, let me finish this one right here because my time is already gone. That's Revelation chapter number 12, verse 7 through 9. And the great dragon was cast out. Now the next teaching, we're going to pick it up right here. The old dragon was cast out. He called the old serpent. He called the devil. That's all his name. Satan. See, he dragons, serpent, devil, Satan, all of his name. He deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, not, hell, not, not the lake of fire. That's the next time I show it to you. Here he was cast out into the earth. The word earth there was the promised land. He was cast out where the Jewish believers was living. He was cast out to deceive Israel. And his angel was cast out also with him. So that's where the devil was put. So when you hear the Bible says, uh, at 7 through 9, I got enough time to do to start the next one. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. This is where we start the next service. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. We will start here the next service. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon the horse. Now that's Christ right there, right? Because he's called faithful. Come on, you ought to know. Ain't nobody else faithful but him, right? He was called faithful, he was called true, he was called right, and righteousness does he judge and make war. Here he come. See, he came on a white horse. His eye was as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. Here it is. He was clothed with a vesta dipped in blood. And his name is called. Somebody ought to know who he is. The word of God. 
And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And the Bible says that, and out of his mouth go the sharp sword. That's the word. That's the word. Somebody says the word. And the Bible said that with it he shall smite the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. Remember that rod of iron is faith. Rod. His, he treaded the wine press of the fiftness and the wrath of the Almighty God. And he had on his vesta and on his thigh a name written. And we're gonna, we gonna, we gonna put it down right there. King of Kings. Because he came to he came to he came to kick. I can't tell you right now, boy, on my tape. But he came to do something to some folks on the earth who thought they were kings. Here come the king of kings. And here come the Lord of Lord. Can somebody get up and get the Lord a big hand? We're going to pick it up right here the next service. Oh my God, wouldn't that have been something? I'm, see, you, don't, you didn't want to be here doing that. You didn't want to be here when the Lord came. But those people who was around Israel at that time, they had their armies around Israel, and they were getting ready to destroy Israel and tear down the temple. And all of a sudden, they heard their champion come and the sound of a trumpet. And everybody began to look up. And, and they saw the heavens open and the man standing there on a white horse and the heaven was filled with armies behind him and they began to cry out. Jesus said, lift up your head. Your redemption. Somebody ought to know something I'm talking about. Give the Lord a big hand, praise, hallelujah. Oh my God, my Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.